Hello again, this is Rabbi Jeff Sachs of Atid and Web Yeshiva with another installment in our Jewish Educators Book Club. Today I'm sitting with Yaakov David Shulman, who is the adapter, translator, editor of a new volume of Rav Kook's Orota Tshuva, published in English, or I should say in a bilingual edition, as Song of Tshuva, a commentary on Rav Avraham Yitzchak Cohen Kook's Oros HaTshuva, by Rav Moshe Weinberger, the very popular uh, and, uh, and charismatic rabbi of the Eish Kodesh Synagogue in Woodmere, uh, New York. Rabbi uh, Shulman, this, uh, this book is based upon shiurim that Rav Weinberger gave. It contains uh, introductory material, commentary on seven chapters, the first seven chapters of Arot Tshuva with uh, a bilingual edition of Rav Kook's writing itself in Hebrew and English. It's the first of a number of projected volumes. This book is projected to be three volumes, which should go through all 17 chapters of of Atatshuva. And it's the first, it will be the first full bilingual edition of of one of Rav Kook's uh, writings, and for those of us that are interested in studying Rav Kook, for those of us that are interested in teaching Rav Kook, for those of us for whom uh, Rav Kook's Torah is an important voice and should be a more important voice, it's an important contribution, um, and it will be the first, the first full bilingual edition of uh, one of Rav Kook's works, and and you know really one of his uh, very important works, and and a work that for for many students of Rav Kook is an entree into uh, Rav Kook's thoughts. So maybe just tell us a little bit more about Oro Tachuva, what the, what the work is, what Rav Kook was setting out to do with that before we talk about this edition. Okay, Oro Tachuva was, I think, originally published in 1924. I think that uh, the first few chapters you can see Rav Kook, I decided to write like an overview of what Tachuva is about, according to his... Uh, that fit in with his whole way of seeing the world. After about the first three or four chapters, um, the book continued, but as a the way many of his other books are, which is not an ordered um, book, but as selections from his notebooks that he used to write. Um, he had a little he had a little room that he worked in, and there he used to whenever he had a moment, he used to write down his thoughts and notebooks. Um, and his students, notably his son, Atsiyuhu the cook, pulled out sections to make the Sefer uh, Orot HaTshuva. Uh, Orot HaTshuva is a revolutionary approach to Teshuva, because it, it sees Tshuva almost... N- the, the, ter- the typical terms of Tshuva, you have a person sin, so he has to repent and then do the right thing, is plays a very minor or small part in the book. Most of it deals with the idea of teshuva and the, and, and the meaning of the word teshuva means to return. And a person does teshuva even if he didn't do a sin because he wants to return and get to a better state. And it takes it beyond that to a state where basically the whole nature of the whole universe is doing teshuva. Um, and to, to the extent that Rav said anything that's positive can be seen within the, within the definition of Tshuva, so that Rav Kook even came up with what appears to be a new term 
Teshuvat HaGuf, that if you go and take care of your body, your bodily health, that's Teshuvah. In terms of the work of translating Rav Kook, Rav Kook is notoriously difficult to work one's way through the original Hebrew text. And although there have been here and there some translations of pieces of Rav Kook, some better, some some worse, it's notoriously difficult. How did you approach the work of translating and what are some of the features of the of the translation and, and of the book in, in general that are going to be interesting to a reader? Uh, well, in terms of the translation, um, my goal with the translation was, my foremost goal was to make it clear to the reader. My secondary goal was to make it near at least some of the uh, elegance and beauty of Ralph Cook's writing. The poetry of his prose. Yeah. That's right. Um, the main thing I was I wanted to make it as easy for the reader as possible. So the various things in Ralph Cook that make his uh, make it difficult to read him. One is the style is you could fit it into a category of kind of 19th century philosophical type style. So um, <clears throat> there are long sentences which we're not used to even in, in simple, uh, 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 when we're reading about simple ideas. So they're very long sentences with all sorts of dependent clauses. Um, and sometimes if you, in the, sometimes it's more difficult to understand in, in the English than in the Hebrew for the simple reason that sometimes our cook will use a word to refer back to a previous idea. In the Hebrew, it's easier to know what of the two previous ideas he's talking about because one was with a female noun and one was with a male noun. So he refers to back to one of those you know what you want in the English. In English, you lose the gendered uh, pointers. Yeah, you have no way of knowing. Uh, another practical difficulty is that sometimes Ralph Cook will, or is, it's not uh, specific Ralph Cook, but sometimes Ralph Cook is going to mention idea kind of uh, in, in pers- as an impersonal idea, but or in the passive tense and and and. You have to interpret it as what is he talking about? As is he talking about a person? About so I had to take uh, informed guesses, and what I would do when I made a uh, made an informed guess that I thought I couldn't rely on a hundred percent, I would put it in um, in parentheses mm-hmm. um, because to try to be true to the text by doing giving it over exactly as Ralph Cook would have given over, would have led to the reader having to do that work. And particularly if, if you're learning something in Lashon HaKodesh and Torah, you're used to struggling over text. Mm-hmm. But if a reader's expectations when he's reading something in English is not, not to struggle over text and figure out what did this clause refer to and should I read the passive as active. So I, I did that for um, the reader as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Maybe describe for us some of the features and characteristics and emphases that uh, that Rav Weinberger uh, brings uh, to the study of Orotachufa through his commentary and uh, the introductory material and all the accompanying material uh, to the to the primary text itself. Yeah, I think this is a, a really valuable uh, sefer that Rav Weinberger produced because. And we should we should just say that. No, the process of, of of your of your collaboration was that this is based on on shiurim on classes that he delivered, and you were working off of the recordings of those 
those classes, and then we're working back and forth collaboratively with Rav Weinberger in producing the, right. the text. That's right. He gave a weekly shear. Each one is about an hour over a period of a few years to his uh, to his congregation in Eish Kodesh in Woodmere. And actually, I had originally thought that he would be interested in doing something like he has a lot of shiurim on uh, on, on Hasidus. I actually thought he might be interested in doing something with Nachman, and he was insistent that he thought for this generation what he really needs to put out is Rav Kook. So, um, I've seen a few other um, editions, I haven't gone into them in depth, but I've seen a few other editions uh, of Rav HaTshufa with commentary, and those are different than what Rav Kook does, uh, what Rav Weinberger does. And the reason they're different is those are commentaries that were written as commentaries. Those are commentaries that were written as commentaries, and therefore they, they're limited in what they're addressing. Ruff Weinberger, um, his approach and his challenge is to make Ralph Cook relevant to the lives of his congregants. And so this is not a scholar, or it's not, it's scholarly, but it's not focused to be scholarly. <clears throat> it's, fo- its focus is to be, um, to change the lives of people who are hearing the shear, in this case, reading the, uh, the material. Um, at the same time, these kind of popular, it's a popular work, so at the same time, popular works often dumb down um, the material that they're working on. So you have, you'll have a book that's Torah, but it, if you look underneath, it's very much a pop psychology book. Uh, Rev Weinberger has a strong background in Hasidus, and as far as I can see, in, in Kabbalistic, uh, in the Kabbalah, and therefore, and he didn't dumb it down. So in Rav Cook, he, so he's able Rav Cook very often, and he said so explicitly, he's going to teach Kabbalah, but in a in a literary form. Right. So you, you, for the most part, you don't have like uh, over like obvious Kabbalah in, in Rav Cook, but it's there. And when it's there, when it comes more to the surface, Rav Weinberger is very capable of dealing with it, of deciding what is appropriate for his audience. And what would just be so technical uh, that it that it wouldn't really make much of a difference for the audience, and it doesn't, and it's not uh, what he wants to uh, give across. Um, there's another aspect of the uh, of this pop- of making the, of, of making a popularization is that uh, Rav Weinberger adds, in a complementary way, elements that are not found specifically in Rav Cook. So he's able to draw on things more about what we're dealing with uh, uh, in our own lives and see how Rav Cook can be used to address that. So he's, so Rav, two, like two themes <coughs> that are very important to Rav Reinberger <coughs> are, uh, are uh, proper chinuch, proper education of, chil- uh, of children, teenagers, and uh, young adults. And another element that's very important to him is is a harmonious family life between uh, husband and wife, between parents and children. Right. So he's able to take Rav Cook in it and and um, and see it in and and see it in that light. Uh, 
a problem that comes with 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 uh, with communicating Rav Cook is sometimes the language is difficult, the ideas are difficult, and a person can read it and kind of feel that he's floating in the air. He doesn't have a seat on the ground. So Rav, Cook, uh, Rav Weinberg was very uh, uh, was able, I think, and he did a good, uh, an excellent job to bring Rav Cook, yeah, yeah, and without without weakening it. But one of the themes in his uh, in the uh, educational uh, angle that he brings to the work is. This idea that discussions of tshuva and repentance and self-improvement uh, that take place in the contemporary educational Jewish educational setting are often of the, shall we say, the fire and brimstone variety. Mm-hmm. And he seems to be motivated by desire to criticize that approach. And he's either bringing Rav Cook uh, as an example of a more healthy, a more positive uh, model of tshuva, um, you know, where he's using that as a springboard to present some of his own educational views on how a person ought to properly develop himself, how a community ought to develop itself, uh, and it's connected. So I was wondering if you could, could describe how that plays itself throughout the, throughout the commentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rav, uh, Rav Weinberger, I don't know if he still is, but I know for many years he was a, uh, a Rebbe in Yeshiva. So he's a lot of background in this and a lot of interest in this. Um, he tells a little story about himself. Um, <coughs> that once he was driving in upstate New York, and his uh, place, I think, um, possibly Mountaindale or Ellenville, one of those places one of those in, the, uh, in, the, in the Catskills, where there's a big ashram. And at this ashram, there's a lot of a lot of these uh, people there are Jewish. And he tells how he was driving by, and he says, you know, this is so disgusting because they have idols of uh, elephants and, and so forth. I shouldn't even be driving by here. This is like disgusting. But then he, as he drives by, he sees a lot of these people. Um, I don't remember if he talked to them, but he, at least he sees them as he's going by. He sees they're all smiling and they seem very positive so he starts to as he starts to give himself a kind of self-talk that in his immediate his immediate uh, reaction was to be very judgmental about these people and then he's kind of seeing it from their point of view that they are thinking they're doing something very positive and and um, and so I think that what what he's also doing in in terms of his idea of chinuch is to Instead of um, in, 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 instead of just using that um, role of the uh, educator to to improve, rebuke the other person, um, it's also to hear what the other person uh, needs. Mm-hmm. And so what he's saying is that what a student needs is besides a judgment on his obvious faults, is he needs to be seen for who he is. And to see the good in him, and to work with him to help improve him, and and um, so he talks a lot about how he's seen where students have been damaged, or felt that they have no more place in uh, a Jewish world or y- Yiddishkeit because they were given a lot of negative messages um, by teachers who didn't relate to what their lives are about. 
mm-hmm. teachers who, will, who might think that going out and playing basketball is Bittelsmann and it's kind of a uh, worthless activity. A teacher who, here's an example of a teacher who right before the students go on break um, gives them a long sermon about the evils of television. But the student watches television. So for him, he, it sounds just uh, too harsh. Right. And the way uh, I was fitting with Rav Cook is that Rav Cook very much also has the same approach of uh, looking for the light and right. looking to work together with the person to help. And the Kaddish, <coughs> the whole thing, sanctifying the, the world, the general. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, you know, work in education in, in Jewish day schools, in yeshiva, the, the, you know, perhaps the high school level and, and beyond, uh, how might you know, a, work, you know, a work like this, meaning Rav Cook's Orotachuva, the primary text, now made more accessible to the English speaker through through the translation, and a work like this, meaning the the whole apparatus of a body of of commentary and explication in English on the work. Uh, what goals might this help us achieve? Uh, how do you envision it, or or if you and or Rav Weinberger have have thought about how it might be used in in teaching and in pedagogy? Um, I think in general, Rav Cook wants, uh, Rav Weinberger wants this book to enter the Haredi world. I think that was very much a goal of his. The Haredi world. Right. Yeah. Uh, because this is being taught already in the non-Haredi world. In some places. So, okay. Uh, but in the, and I think <laughs> what this would be would be a, quite a challenge. I think, and, and Rav Weinberger talks about how he would think it would be a wonderful thing for this of Atachuva to be taught in, in, in uh, to young people because it opens up a whole world. Um, I think a pers- uh, uh, an educator might be hesitant to do it because you're giving up some of your control or what you think is some of your control because you're listening more to what the other person has to say. And two, an edu- uh, uh, this has to be a balance because it's one thing to say and because then that can be used as, as an excuse for anything. Um, I'm watching TV because I'm on Mechad Shachol. So, so uh, and that's a challenge that an educator has to be open to. Um, but I think what Rav Weinberger's uh, view is clearly that ultimately this is going to... Uh, this is ultimately going to bring more people, young people, to be excited about Yiddishkeit and want to uh, cleave to Yiddishkeit because it's going to give them uh, a view and pathways that they can feel that they're a part of, not something that is a kind of foreign to them or being opposed to them. Mm-hmm. So and that's a very important uh, contribution to the field of education. If the book will mm-hmm. be used, will be used that way. Any I other? Any other thoughts or or or, uh, or elements of the book that's important for a reader to know about? Um, well, it's, yeah. Um, the one point that I was that's related to this is the idea of sins becoming merits, mm-hmm. which is obviously not. A 
it's in the Gemara. But it's a difficult, uh, it's, it's a difficult topic because we don't really know what does that mean. And we really don't know um, how to, what to make, how, how to use that and what and to achieve it. Briefly stated, the Gemara in, the Gemara in Masechet Yuma uh, puts forth the idea that if one does tshuva mi'ava, if one repents out of a motive of love, so then his sins not only are, are wiped out, as it were, or neutralized, but they actually paradoxically become, become sources of, uh, of merit for him. Right, that's right. Um, in a sense, you're kind of like in the science fiction world, you reinvent your past. Right. So you change your past. So all the dynamics of the past that were for the bad, not for the good. And in simple terms, if you were writing rock music with, uh, with deplorable lyrics, um, now you can write rock music with uh, wonderful lyrics. But more than that, the very past itself changes its dynamic in some way. Like the letters of the Torah changed as things were happening. So the letters of your uh, of the dyna- of what was going on in your past actually reshift your, your criminal record, as it were. It's yeah, that's right. Uh, right, that's a, that's one of the themes here. It's Rabbi Soloveitchik, of course, famously addressed this as well. It's recorded in his Al Hatshuva on repentance. There's been a few attempts to make comparisons of those two mm-hmm. works by Rav Cook, uh, the elder of Cook, and the younger uh, Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik, uh, who actually actually met on one occasion shortly before. Uh, before of Cook uh, passed away in the summer of uh, 1935, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's interesting that these two great uh, Balei Machshava, two of the really most creative uh, thinkers of uh, people working in the field of Jewish thought, um, were, were both very much occupied by these similar ideas. And a comparison of the two works is is uh, is always interesting. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting. So the book uh, that we've been discussing is uh, Song of Tshuva, a commentary on Rav Avram Yitzchak HaKohen Cook's Oros HaTshuva by Rav Moshe Weinberger, adapted by Yaakov David Shulman, who also prepared the side-by-side Hebrew-English uh, translation. It's published by the Panina Press. It's available in Jewish bookstores and online. It's the first of three projected volumes to complete work on Oros HaTshuva. Um, I should also mention that Rav Weinberger has a website at www.ravmosheweinberger, that's Weinberger, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G-E-R, dot com, ravmosheweinberger.com, and uh, the listener can download many, many uh, MP3 shiurim there, including the original the original uh, lessons, the original classes on which the book was based, although... If you listen to those shirim, you'll see the uh, the yeoman work that was put in by the uh, folks that prepared the book, uh, principally by by uh, by Yaakov David Shulman, in making the transition from spoken material to written material. That's really uh, that's really worth the while of anyone interested in the topics we've been discussing today to make the effort to to learn. It's not a it's not a book you pick up and read through uh, from cover to cover. It's a work that requires uh, the learner. It's a learning tool to go and encounter Rav Cook's text. It's useful particularly for those that have trouble 
making the encounter with with uh, Rav Cook's uh, original Hebrew, uh, but the value of having the side by side primary text is uh, is a very great gift to students of Rav Cook's thought because it allows the English speaker to make entree to the to the original to the original source itself, and then of course the the commentary uh, will take the reader in many different directions. Uh, but particularly, I think it'll take him in a, in a journey within, as you think about yourself and your development and your and your growth and your your ability to to repair yourself, and uh, that is a very great gift to readers and students of Rav Kook and of Jewish thought in general. So we're looking forward to seeing the next two volumes and and hopefully other such editions of Rav Kook's uh, writings uh, in the in the future. Thank you very much.